0: So that that verse has been in my brain for, for decades now. It's just amazing. That when life seems dark, your word gives light. When I don't know what to do, your word says what to do. When I'm saying, what is the Lord's will? I can look at verses that say, here's the Lord's will. So I pray as we pray every Sunday that we'd be led into your word and led out of your word into obedience to it. That it certainly wouldn't be one-sided, something that just fills us with knowledge, but something that we practice. It's a light to our path, so help us walk in that path. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Eric told me that I could have taken 20 minutes on that meditation, you know, to get ready for the sermon, but I decided we won't do that today. If you've been to Fun Club, you've heard this one, That uh, it's worth repeating. When I was in high school... Uh, I grew up in I grew up in Chillicothe, Illinois, which is about half an hour from Peoria, but everything was in Peoria. School, church, work, everything's in Peoria. So when I was in high school, I found myself driving to and from a lot, a lot to and from. And on one of those nights going home, I got pulled over by a police officer, and I thought, "This time I wasn't speeding. What's going on?" <laughs> and uh, so the cop walked over to my window. I roll the window down and he said, young man, did you know your headl- one of your headlights was out? And I'm like, oh, thank goodness, you know, just the headlight, I can get that fixed. And I said, no, I didn't, I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me. And then he uh, kind of glanced over and then he glanced back at me and said, was, was your seatbelt on before I pulled you over? Now, uh, it's one of those... In Funk Club, we were talking about telling the truth, as you might imagine. And it was one of those moments where where you have only a second to think, am I going to tell the truth or am I going to lie? You know, what are you going to do? Now, uh, I was in a Ford Escort, 1994 Ford Escort, white. And uh, it has one of those seatbelts that, like, come and get you when you close the door. You know what I'm talking about? You know, that, gotcha, you're locked in. So, you know, to me, sometimes you just get in and the seatbelt already has attacked me. I wasn't worried about the lap belt, but apparently 50% of the job done is not good enough for the police officer. You've got to have the lap belt. He's like, you know, the lap belt's important. He's telling me this, you know. And, and I still have to answer his question. Was I wearing it or was I not? Now, I asked the kids in fun club if they would vote and how many thought that I, I lied and how many thought I told the truth. Should, should we do that today? Let's just, let's just do a little lie detector test, Okay. How many of you think I told the truth? Okay. How many of you think I told a lie? Right. Alright. Can you keep your hands up while I write your names down? (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Well, the kids were the opposite of this morning. They were overwhelmingly in favor of me lying to get out of it. Makes you think, right? Makes you think about your kids. Well, I, being a spiritual teenager, reasoned that if I told the truth, certainly that would mean that the Lord would get me out of a ticket. He would honor my honesty. And so I told the truth. And I received a seatbelt fine. Now, that, that error, is it an error? God could have rewarded me with no seatbelt fine. Uh, I think we all get into these thought processes sometime where we go, this is a hard decision. If I choose wisely, I know God's going to honor me for that. We, we, we tell people that, right? God will honor you when you choose correctly. There's blessings. I remember, I remember a college professor that always said this all the time. Blessings follow obedience. He always said that. Blessings will follow obedience. That's all over the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament law. If you do these things, life will come. If you do these things, you're going to get cursed. Those are some of the sections you skip over when you're reading Deuteronomy you know, and Leviticus. That there's real blessing when you obey. But there's real curses when you disobey. Alright, one time that happens, every service. Did we get out of the way now, hopefully? Alright, it's out of the way. Um, but that is not quite... Reality is it. You do get the seatbelt fine when you did the right thing. When you made the good decision at work and, and, and you chose, let's say you're at work and everyone else is slacking off, and you decide you're going to give it your best, and they hate you for it, and they, and they badmouth you, and it sometimes it doesn't seem to pay off to be wise. And certainly in the book of Ecclesiastes, we've been looking at... Remember last week, the story we ended on? Solomon tells this story about a guy who lives in a city. It's a little city, and he's a poor man. And an army has lays siege on the city, and, and they're waiting for the city to surrender. And that poor man who no one cares about and knows about, he's got a plan to save the city. He shares his plan. The city is saved. And nobody recognizes him. The king takes the credit... And so Solomon is preparing you to say, well, that's not right. Why should I be wise if no one cares? Why shouldn't I just try to be strong, rich, powerful? Why shouldn't I do that? Because that will get me ahead in life. And sometimes wisdom doesn't get me ahead at all. Solomon says, sometimes when you act righteously, people treat you like you're wicked. And when you act wicked, people treat you like you're righteous. What is that? In the book of Proverbs, Solomon says, Wisdom is its own reward. Wisdom is its own reward. And, and what he means is, you ought to act wise because it's wise. In the story of the poor guy who saved the city, Solomon's point is, don't keep your wisdom to yourself. Share it. Don't act foolishly so that you can advance, so that you can become rich or powerful. Just keep acting wisely. It's worth it, because that guy saved the whole city. Even if it didn't advance him personally, he saved everybody. And so at the end of the day, even if my hands are empty, it's better to live wisely, even if my hands are empty, at the end of the day. Because these are God's ways. We, said we, we gave the definition of wisdom, right, a few weeks back Wisdom is knowing and doing the word of God that comes out of Jesus' words. A a wise man is one who hears Jesus' words and builds his house on the rock. He builds his house on them. When you know them and do them, you're the wise person and you're building on a firm foundation. Wisdom is its own reward. So keeping that in mind, keeping in mind that results are not the goal... The goal for how you decide to do things is what is wise and what is not. Where is the spirit guiding and where is he not? Let's live wisely. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a, uh, we're, we're in chapter 10. Chapter 10 is a collection of wise sayings of Solomon on a, on a few different topics. Would you turn there to Ecclesiastes chapter 10? As we look at this stuff, I want you to think to yourself, you know, these words are for me, and and there's a variety of different kinds of words here. My my guess is one of the points today will stick out to you more than the others. Okay, I've got five points, And, and they're a little bit unrelated other than the fact that these are wise things to do when you're in a particular situation. So if you would just pray, even now in your heart, Lord, what is what is the one thing? What's the wise word you wanted me to hear this morning, and put into practice? Here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter one, or chapter ten, verse one. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right but the heart of the fool to the left. Even as he walks along the road, the fool lacks sense and shows everyone how stupid he is. Number one. If you're taking notes, by the way, there should be a yellow paper in your, in your uh, bulletins. You can pull that out and follow along. Number one, Solomon is saying, fools think and act differently than the wise. They think and they act so differently than the wise. Now, on the one hand, you might say, well, no kidding. Thank you for that, that great insight. But, but there's good application there. There's some really good application there. But on the one hand, you say, you know, I, I love a stupid criminal story, don't you? I mean, don't you just... I've looked at some of the ones from the past week. There's some really good ones out there. There was a the guy last week who went into a bank and, and he said, you know, give me all the money in your, in your register and... Uh, He had a mask on, but he wore a polo shirt with his name on the shirt. (laughs) There was another guy who didn't get caught, but I find his method uh, somewhat unsafe. Kids don't try this at home. He wore a garbage bag over his head and, and his arms, and he tried to hold up the bank that way. What are you thinking? But I love the one in St. Louis. In St. Louis, there were three guys who stole a woman's purse, and they were going to steal her car. They jump in the car, and, and they're about to take off, and they find out it's manual transmission. And they can't drive stick. So, with purse in hand, they climb out of the car, head down the road where the police catch them. Man. So, so I, like, I like stupid criminals. And, and, and you look at those stories, you read those stories, and you're like, that is so good. You know, that's a criminal right there. Now, of course, there's some masterminds out there, too, that don't get caught. But, you know, some of those people stand out because of how foolish they are. They're foolish to rob the, try to rob the bank, and they're foolish in the way they were doing it. They didn't think this whole thing through. Now, on the other hand, what this verse is saying is, and I think for Americans we could say, there, is a, there are two different cultures growing up in America. One is wise and one is foolish. And it's affecting our morality in our country. And we, we, we can see that. One is based on biblical morals and, and, and one is based on this seems right to me. I'll give an example that a lot of Christians agree on here. Abortion. In some states, if you're a pregnant woman... And someone commits homicide, that's a double homicide because that's what the law says. If the woman and her unborn child perish, that is a double homicide. And, and the person that committed the crime has a harsher sentence because of that. And of course, in those same states, an abortion is readily available. And that's not a homicide. Do you see where the logic fails? And of course, if you're being honest... And people that are pro-abortion, that are intellectual and honest about it, will say, we know it's taking a life. We, we know that. But it's a woman's right to do with her body what she wants. And if that involves killing something else, that's okay. And all I'm saying is, fools think and act differently than the wise. You will see a difference. And what you ought to remember is, in our culture, there can be strong and intellectual arguments for something extremely foolish a- and don't don't back down you know't d- don't give up on biblical wisdom just because there's a strong push for the opposite, because in our society, there's a lot of people who look wise, but the Bible would call them fools. I'm not recommending you go around calling people fools. Jesus kind of warned against that. But the Bible, the Lord calls them fools. And let's remember how differently we look to the rest of the world. What they call foolish, God calls wise. You're going to look a little different. Dare I say it, maybe we look like the stupid criminal. I'm not going to make a big point about this, but... Uh, verse 1 is also worth just, just pointing out briefly. For some of you, this might be a good word. A Dead dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Do you know that flies land on your food and they secrete this junk that helps them break down the food so they can eat it? Flies have to eat liquid stuff, right? And so when they're landing, they're, and, and, and they also relieve themselves very frequently on what they land on. I mean, it's just, it's just gross. It's gross. They can live 30 to 60 days, so their days are numbered. That doesn't give me any hope, though, when they land on something that I'm eating at, at the picnic, you know, at the barbecue. And so flies can land in expensive perfume that was diligently worked on by... Uh, that The perfume maker, which was a profession, you know, back then. And people still make perfumes today. And, and that fly can ruin expensive oil just by flying in and dying. And you, you know what his point is? You could spend decades living a wise life. And then you're, you come to a fork in the road. Wisdom, folly. I'll just give in this time to folly. And it can ruin your reputation. It can ruin you. Because you come to the fork in the road. The fly has landed in the oil. And it's messed up all of the good stuff there. You you know this. Marriages feel this. It was just a decision. It was just a decision. And I've lived decades wisely. But I did that. That ought to make even the wisest of us pause and consider our need for the Word of God and the Spirit of God to keep us on the path of righteousness. Because that decision can mess things up. And you know the kind of decisions I mean. For some of you, the prayer is that you would chase the flies away today. Let's keep going. Where are we? Chapter 10, verse 4. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great errors to rest. There's an evil that I've seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put into many high positions while the rich occupy lowly ones. I've seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. So now he's dealing with authority. Let's say you get in trouble with the authorities. Let's say you get in trouble at work and the boss or your manager is angry. What ought you do? And Solomon's wisdom is, if you're in trouble, calmly speak the truth. Stay calm. If the cops show up and you run out the back door, it doesn't look good. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) If you get pulled over and, and you're freaking out and you jump out of the car, not good. Police officers don't like that anyway. You stay in the car. Stay calm. This is Solomon's advice. You get in trouble, you stay calm, and you speak the truth. And if speaking the truth will get you in trouble and get you the seatbelt fine, you just do it. Stay calm. Now, sometimes we know rulers make mistakes. You know, they just mess up. And in America, we have a history. We tend to celebrate reacting strongly to injustice. You know what I mean? July 4th. Uh, the Boston Tea Party. You can't tax us like this. We're going to dump your tea in the water. I'm not commenting on the ethics of that. (laughs) Okay? I haven't thought about it long enough to comment on it, so I'm not going to. I'm only saying, in our country's DNA is this. If you're a bad authority, you're going to hear from us. And we're going to let you know. Uh, Solomon, I think, is saying, calmly, Speak to the authorities. Don't abandon the truth, though. By the way, I'm not commenting on the Revolutionary War, just so, just so you know. I have nothing against that. I'm only saying, in our DNA as a country is this. If we don't like what the authority does, we'll kick them out. You know, well, we're going we're to we're get mad, and we're going to overreact, perhaps. Let's be careful. Let's be calm. Let's speak the truth, though. And and, and as Christianity becomes a a minority in ethics and morality in some of the decisions this country is making, it's going to be on us not to overreact when we see our neighbors engaging in immorality, when we see our government condoning it. It's on us to stay calm, stay at your post, speak the truth, but don't compromise it. I think both of those words are here. Calmly speak the truth. Is there a time for righteous anger? Sure. Jesus did that too. But try calmness as a first go to. All right. Uh, Let's keep going. Verse 8. Let's talk about your workplace. You all have jobs. Let's talk about work. Uh, Verse 8. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before it's charmed, there's no profit for the charmer. So now he's talking about work, right? You might break through a wall. And bad things might happen. There might be a snake in there that's going to bite you. So Solomon's word here is every job has difficulties and dangers. Every one of them. I used to show a video to my youth leaders. And they, were, they weren't even paid, you know, so that's their job though. I showed a video to my youth leaders once and it was the skit guys. It's about ten minutes long so I wasn't going to show it this morning. But, um, and, and they're talking, like, they, they kind of like open their eyes and, and they're in heaven. And they're like, how did we get here? What was going on? Is this heaven? Are we dead? And they're talking about it, and suddenly one of them realizes, yeah, we are dead. This is heaven. What was I doing right before I got here? And they're trying to remember, like, what were they doing where they ended up in heaven right now? And they're like, oh, my goodness, we were at the junior high lock-in. You know, (laughs) it's like, I died at a lock-in, you know? And they're trying to figure out, like, well, what happened to them at the lock-in, right? And, and of course, that was the warning that youth ministry just might kill you. Um, it just might kill you. And and I felt that way, driving on missions trips down one-way roads the wrong way, and, oh man, I I shouldn't tell any stories. So Okay, Um, yeah, your job has dangers and difficulties. Have you identified what some of those might be? Can can you live with that? Can can you live with the danger? Can you live with the difficulty? Do Do you know that? Do you know that the Scripture commands you to work diligently? The Scripture commands you to have a job. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Right? The, the Bible says that. And yet, during your work that you're biblically commanded to do, you could get injured. Do you understand that's the way life works? Do you understand that you might have a job with some very, very dark employees? that are in bondage to Satan, you know? And they're tempting you with what they're looking at, with what they're saying to you, with their lifestyle. It's just bad. And yet God may want you in that job. It's dangerous and it's tempting. He may have put you there. Every job has dangers and difficulties, so work diligently. Do your best. Every job has them. But have you identified them? Do you know what those things are? You ought to. And then he talks about the snake charmer. Have you ever seen an Indian ch- snake charmer? They're, they're, they're sitting on the ground, cross-legged, and they have a, a bin, a little little flute. And they're playing the flute, and the cobra rises out of the, the basket. And the cobra's kind of moving, watching them play. You know that snakes can't hear it's true. They can't hear. How they train them is that they, they, they follow the movement of the flute. You see the flute going back and forth, right? And the snake is following that. And, and Solomon says, if, if the snake bites, the, the, the uh, snake charmer is not going to get much of a profit. If you're watching the snake charmer and you're sitting there, standing there, and the snake comes over by you and bites you, nobody's getting paid that day. It's a bad day. The snake charmer gets bit. It's even worse. By the way, did you know that they outlawed snake charming in India? But but the snake charmers have united against it and are uh, trying to push back against the government. They are they are voicing their protest with authority, and and now the government is giving in and letting them go to certain festivals and things where they can they can still do their ply their trade and get the snake out of the basket. Y- you know, some of them cheat and they remove the fangs, right? They remove the fangs sometimes. Sometimes they sew the mouth of the snake shut, but just enough so that the tongue can come out so it looks like the snake could bite. And some of them are just legitimate, I guess, and and they really do train the snakes. And and the snakes really are kind of mesmerized by by the flute, and so they're kind of... of Some of them, I think, are the real thing, from what I've heard. I'm not going to try it. Um, But if your snake bites... That's not a good day for you. If you're a snake charmer, and I think this is one of the, a, a brilliant statement by Solomon. If you really think about it a little more deeply, what is he saying here? If you're a snake charmer, you have knowledge, maybe wisdom, on how to get that cobra to do what you want it to do. Right? You know something that I don't know, and you're able to carry that out. You're a snake charmer. But if you don't train the snake, If you don't take the precautions necessary, there's nothing good in it for you. So hear this. If you hear these words of wisdom, if you come to church every Sunday and hear the preaching, and and, and if you read this thing, and if it's just making you smarter, but you're not charming the snake, if you're not training the snake, it's like you've read all this stuff, you're not putting it into practice, it's worthless. It's really worthless. And And you may as well not read it if you're not going to do it. I think that is a great word from a snake charmer. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Let's do verse 12. Let's talk about words for a couple minutes. Uh, Here we are. Words from a wise man's mouth are gracious, but a fool is consumed by his own lips. There's an image for you. At the beginning, his words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness. And the fool multiplies words. No one knows what is coming. Who can tell him what will happen after him? A fool's work wearies him. He does not know the way to town. I love that. It's kind of like this guy is so foolish in what he says. He acts like he knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows everything. Have you met a know-it-all before? You know? Have you ever met those people that they know everything? And they're always contradicting you. Those people drive me crazy. I'm just telling you, if you do that, I'll I'll be gracious anyway. But if you're a know-it-all, that is so hard. But look at this, he says, even though he acts like he knows everything, he can't give you directions into town. That's the kind of guy we're talking about. Christy, you ought to amen that right there. All all this, this knowledge, but you don't know the practical, like how do you get into town? We talk about this all the time. Christy's like, You've got to have common sense, you know? That's what you've got to have. Not just some sort of knowledge. Common sense. Wisdom. Can't tell you the way into town. A fool's talk, then, is a few things here. It is dangerous. It is drawn out. It is destructive. I think it meant destructive, dangerous. Drawn out, destructive, and depraved. That's what Solomon says. Do you find that you're very chatty? That's okay. You can be chatty. But if you happen to talk a lot, you ought to at least ask yourself the question Is what I'm saying foolish or is it wise? If you just happen to use a lot of words, it's okay. But this is where you do the heart check what's coming out when I'm saying all those things? A fool's talk is also destructive. Okay, meaning it says his lips consume him. Do you find that your words are often hurtful to people? Now, sometimes everything we say can be hurtful. I mean, I I say things that are truthful sometimes and they hurt. I understand that. But are your words regularly hurtful to people? Do they end up getting turned around and hurting you? Could it be that you're saying foolish things? And then he also says they're depraved. They get worse and worse and worse and worse. So for the person that says, "I can tell a few dirty jokes," I can, I can use that language a little bit. Solomon says, "Usually it just gets worse and worse. It, it starts out foolish, but then it becomes wicked madness." He says, "Over time, as you let your tongue out of con- get your tongue out of control, it will get worse and worse and worse. It's depraved. It gets worse from here." Are you one of those people that you, you tend to say things and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? You ever done that? Where you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I said that out loud. Well, that's just out of the heart the mouth speaks. And the stuff's going on in here, and it just came out here. Is it possible that because you're thinking foolish things, they just slip out sometimes? If you've ever done that, that's the out of the heart the mouth speaks. All right, finally. Is that number four? Yeah, finally, number five. Let's look at the last verses here. Verse 16, a word for politicians. Do we have any of those in the building? It's about to get hot. Okay. Uh, Woe to you, O land, whose king was a servant, and whose princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, whose king is of noble birth, "...whose princes eat at a proper time, for strength and not for drunkenness. If a man is lazy, the rafters sag. If his hands are idle, the house leaks. A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes life merry, but money is the answer for everything. Do not revile the king, even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird of the air may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say." So here it is, politicians. Politicians. Politicians, rulers, ought to focus more on their country and less on their comfort. That's the word. Woe to you if your rulers enjoy feasting and partying more than they lead the country well. When you elect people, can you look at them and get a sense for, do they have the country's best interest in mind or do they have their own best interest in mind? And then there's this, this great statement that is so hard to interpret. I should just let you talk about it when you get home or at, during lunch. Verse 19. Tell me what that means. A feast is made for laughter and wine makes life merry, but money is the answer to everything. Now, Solomon's already written about money. We've talked about it already. If, if, if you can think back, we've looked at the money thing. And he says it won't make you happy. It really won't. God gives joy. He dispenses that. Money is the answer to everything. So a couple ways to understand this. This could be the uh, feasting princes sitting around eating and drinking and not working on their country, and they're saying, we love feasting, we love laughter, we love wine that makes us merry, and we love our money. But I look at the word but there, and I think there's a contrast. The word but to me lends itself to a different interpretation. I think this is Solomon saying, you know what? You people that are ruling the country, that are feasting and drinking, you ought to worry more about your economy. You ought to worry about how your country is doing financially. Are, you, are your laws such that poor people can get richer? That they can get out of debt? That, it's, that the laws of the land are good for them? Or are you hoarding all of it for yourself so that you can eat and drink? Because if the poor have what they need, it's solving problems. If people can make money, it's solving problems. That's, that's kind of the way I take this. There's different, ways, there's different ways you can answer that question of that verse. But I think it's an encouragement to stop feasting and get to the work of leading your country well. And then he closes with, if you don't like your authorities... Be careful what you think about them. Be careful what you say about them. In their culture, you talk bad about the king, it could get you in big trouble. But I think it's a good word for us today. I think it goes right along with the foolish talk. If I'm thinking negative things about people, eventually it's going to come right out. Probably it'll come right out. So I better get my thoughts and my heart under control. And not just worry about what I'm saying, but worry about what's going on here. Words of wisdom from Solomon for us. So can I ask you this? What word did you need to hear today? This is kind of a collection. This is a little bit different kind of sermon where we're just kind of jumping around. But what did you need to hear today? Would you look at that little yellow paper if you were taking notes? Look at the text. Take a minute. What was God trying to say to you during this time? Wisdom is its own reward. And even if your hands are empty, if you do these things, you will be like your Father in heaven. Because as we see, Jesus lived the wisest life imaginable and it got him killed. He died for your sins, for the unwise things you and I have done. And all of his wisdom, all of his righteousness, and people still killed him. The invitation is for you today, though. If you don't know his salvation, if you've never received his forgiveness, would you consider that today? Would you pray to him today? That's what we're here for. He's saved us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these words.